Well, good morning. How are we doing? All right. All right. Um, my name is Mike Silman. I have the privilege of being the care and connections pastor here at Grace Community Church. And, uh, you know, uh, it's been a, a great season for us. We just, uh, this month, celebrated one year uh, being here at Grace. Uh, and uh, thank you. Thank you. And... Uh, uh, let me just let me just say it's been it's just been a wonderful experience. Uh, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to to use uh, you know the gifts that God has given me at this church in this context, and um, it's been great getting to know you guys, walking with you, and um, and I'm excited to be able to to speak uh, to you today from God's Word. Pastor Jim and Ann are celebrating their 27th wedding anniversary, and uh, thank God for them and. Uh, just their example. Yeah, give it up. And, uh, and so uh, they had a chance to get away, and uh, Jim asked if I would speak, and, and I'm excited to be able to share from God's Word um, as we continue our series, 30 Sayings uh, of the Wise. And so here, here's what I want you to do this morning. Uh, I'm going to say a sentence, and I want you to finish my sentence. And I promise you won't have to use a whole lot of bandwidth yet. Okay. These are going to be pretty simple, pretty easy, uh, but finish these sentences for me. Action speaks louder than nothing ventured, nothing. If you want something done right, do it. Blood is thicker than where there's a will. There's a, every cloud has a good job and sticks and stones will break my bones, but which that is just completely not true at all, is it? It's just not true. See, these, these sayings uh, and sayings like it are so popular in our context. We hear sayings like this, uh, you know, probably just told to us as, as little kids and all through our lives. We've heard these sayings so much that they just, they just roll right off our, our tongues. We don't even need to think that much uh, about it. And here's the reality with these sayings. These sayings um, are, are, are sayings that are meant to point us in a certain direction, right? Right? These, these sayings are meant um, to cause us to, to hear these sayings and, and, and apply them to our lives. The, the problem is with, with some of these sayings um, is they're just not true. And they point us in, in a direction that uh, would be away from God, uh, not towards God. And, um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is not all wisdom that we hear is from God, right? The, there, is, there is worldly wisdom, and then there is godly wisdom. And uh, there are just voices all day long in our lives and the lives of our kids that speak into our lives, that try to point us in a certain direction. And uh, if we're not careful and we listen to uh, worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom, we will find ourselves really going in the wrong direction. We'll find ourselves going in the wrong direction. Now, worldly wisdom is pretty popular. It's, it's pretty popular because uh, it agrees with what we feel in our heart a lot of times. It, it agrees with us. It appeals to our, our fleshly, uh, 
you know, sinful nature in our lives. And so when we hear wisdom, even, even if it's sometimes wisdom that's not godly wisdom, uh, sometimes we, we, if we're being honest, even as Christians, as followers of Christ, there's a piece of us that says, oh, I like that wisdom. I, I like that wisdom. Why? Because it, because it agrees with what I want in my, in my fleshly, sinful, earthly body. And, uh, and so we, we need to be wise in even the wisdom that, that we receive. Uh, there's, a, there's a song in the 80s. How many of you, uh, you are 80s uh, kids? How many of you 80s kids? You grew up in the 80s, 80s, raise, it, raise your hand. Yeah, that's okay, right? 80s music. And, and there's a song by, by a band called Roxette. How many remember Roxette in the 80s, right? And there was a song that they sang, and, uh, and, and it was, it, it, here, here's how it went. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing it for you, okay? You ready for this? It's, listen to your heart, right? You remember it? Because it's calling for you. Listen to your heart. I heard there was auditions, uh, Jeremiah. Hopefully, hopefully auditions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it goes on. Listen to your heart. There's nothing else you can do. And it says, you don't know where you're going. I went for it. And I don't know why, but listen to your heart before you tell him goodbye. Right? Now, thank you, thank you. Now, the, pro- the problem with that song, while it, while it, you know, it's a catchy song, it's a, it's a powerful ballad, it's bad theology. It's, it's just bad theology. It, it, it's saying, you know, Roxette's saying, okay, if you're struggling in your relationships, then I have some wisdom for you. Listen to your heart. It'll guide you in the right direction. It'll tell you which way to go. And, 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 and if you're a follower of Christ and, and you've read God's word, you know that you know something about your heart. Don't you? You know something. Jeremiah, not Jeremiah Olson, but Jeremiah the prophet, uh, it tells us in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says this. It says, our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so if we, if we just take the what worldly wisdom that might even make sense to us, yeah, my heart's telling me to go this way. I want to, I want to follow my heart. I want to listen to my heart. You will find yourself going oftentimes in the wrong direction. Most of the times in the wrong direction. And so there's worldly wisdom and then there's godly wisdom. Worldly wisdom always starts from within us. It asks the question, what do I agree with? What's best for me? But godly wisdom always starts with God. And it asks the question, what agrees with God? Godly wisdom starts with God. And here's the other thing about godly wisdom. If we apply godly wisdom to our life, and we should, it will cause me and it will require of me that I begin to move towards God. It will, it will cause me and it will require me to move towards God. Now, God's word has, has a lot to say about the contrast between worldly wisdom 
and godly wisdom. You don't have to turn here, but listen to, uh, listen to these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 18 and 19. This is what the apostle Paul says uh, about worldly wisdom. He said, he said, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, that's worldly wisdom, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. So how do, how do we know the difference between worldly wisdom that's speaking to us in all kinds of different ways all day long? How do we tell the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom? James tells us, gives us some cues in, in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. This is what James says. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it. That's a, that's a key two words there. Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But here's the other picture. Here's a picture of, of worldly wisdom now. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heavenly from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, the wisdom that comes from God, it's first of all pure, then peace-loving, then considerate, then submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Now, this passage paints, paints a picture of two different people, right? One person making decisions out of, out of selfishness, out of, out of pride, out of bitterness, out of, out of envy. The other person's making decisions in humility, in, in submissiveness, striving for peace. And I, I see, I see People exercising both types of wisdom often when they come in seeking counsel. They, 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 people are, uh, they get to a point in their life where, where they don't like the place that they're in and they, they, they say, hey, I, I, I need some counsel. Their marriage is going sideways. They say, I need some counsel. And they come in and I begin to ask them, begin to probe, begin to ask questions to try to figure out some of the wisdom that they've tried to apply in their life. And oftentimes I'll see people that have tried desperately to apply worldly wisdom in their life. They come in like this, arms folded. They come in, you can just see the walls are just built. You can see that they're not really coming uh, in humility. They're not come humility. They're not come kind of opened up in this submissive heart, wanting, wanting God to speak wisdom into their life. They're, they're, they're coming, having, having listened to worldly wisdom, and they're trying to get to a better place following worldly wisdom, and it's, it's not working out. It's not working out. See, here's what, here's what we need to understand. If you're taking notes, write, write this down. Following worldly wisdom will never produce heavenly results. Following worldly wisdom will never produce heavenly 
results. Matter of fact, it will literally produce results from hell in your life. And so thankfully in God's word, there, there's timeless wisdom that can be found for every single situation that you will ever find yourself in. God's word is, is timeless. And so let's, uh, this morning, let's, let's continue our journey uh, as we've been looking at the 30 sayings of the wise from the book of Proverbs. Turn to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. We're going to be looking at sayings 9 through 12, and you can find those in verses 6 through 12 this morning. Proverbs chapter 23, and we're going to read... Uh, verses 6 to 12. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand, and uh, ushers would be glad to put one in your hand this morning. Proverbs chapter 23, and uh, we're going to read from verses 6 through 12. When you find that in your Bibles, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to read this together. Proverbs 23, verses 6 through 12. Ready? Read. Do not eat the food of a begrudging host, Do not crave his delicacies, for he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten and will have wasted your compliments. Do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. Do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless, for their defender is strong. He will take up their case against you. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. You may have a seat. So verse 6, it says our first saying this morning, saying number 9, it says, Do not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies, for he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. What's not with you? His what? His, his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten and will have wasted your compliments. It's a, it's a picture that's painted for us uh, this morning that we need to dig in. We need to dive in and see what it means to us. See, here's the truth of the matter. There are people that we come in cro- across in life, people that will invite us into their world. They will invite us into their circle. And uh, they have the appearance that they want to pour into your life, that they want to invest in you, that they have something that they want to share with you, and they want to serve you. But somewhere along the line, you begin to realize that they are only there for their, you are only there for their benefit. That there's some sort of ulterior motive that they have. There's some hidden agenda that their words say one thing, but uh, their heart is not with you. They're they're there for the take. They're not there uh, to give. And um, Jesus dealt with people like this all the time. Uh, People would come to Jesus and they would appear on the outside by uh, some of the things that they would say, they, that they, they would appear to really care and really want to know what Jesus has to say. But Jesus, of course, being, being God and being able to, to see their motivation in their heart, he was able really quickly to see that they're not looking for answers. 
They're really not looking for, for truth. They're, they're looking uh, to advance their own agenda. They're looking to trip me up. And, and so Jesus would, would oftentimes, he would, he would take their question and, and he, would, he, would, he would respond by asking another question to them. And what he would do is he would begin to uncover the motivation of, of their heart. And uh, Jesus taught his disciples to do the very same thing, to, to watch who they're taking food from. Who, who, who they're going to be taking the delicacies, because there's delicacies out there. The, the proverb said, don't eat the food of a begrudging host, do not crave his delicacy. So this is, this is food that would appear from the outside like it's good, like you would want it. Jesus said this to, to his disciples. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And he said, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. In other words, there are people that have a hidden agenda. They, they will lure you in with their food, but Jesus is saying, the Proverbs here is saying, but don't eat it. See, their, their heart is not with you. Um, on our honeymoon, we, uh, we got married. We were really young. We just celebrated our 24th uh, wedding anniversary in, in, in August 10th. But when we got married, we, we, uh, we didn't have any money. I think I probably shared with you before. We, we literally opened up our cards that we received at our, our wedding, uh, and uh, we decided that's how far south we would go. Depends on how much money that we, we got as our gifts. And we, we ended up going down to Virginia Beach. That's how far our money would take us. And we, we decided we would go on the, on the cheap. Okay, it was KFC all the way. It was not, you know, no high end, you know, and, and we went to the beach every day because that was the only free thing and we'd walk on the boardwalk. And so one, one day we were walking on the boardwalk hand in hand, enjoying uh, our, our time together on our honeymoon. And there was a guy that approached us and he came out and, uh, and, and he was just really friendly to us. And he, he, he said, hey, it's good to see you guys. What brings you here? And we said, hey, we just got married. We're, you know, we're celebrating our, our anniversary. And, um, and, and he says, well, wow, well, what types of things do you want to do? And we, we said, well, you know, uh, we're not really sure. You know, we're just kind of weighing our options about. We, we don't know. I didn't tell him I was broke. And, uh, and he said, well, how would you guys like to go to an amusement park here and for free, totally free? We'll, we'll give you tickets to, to go to an amusement park and, and uh, you know, kind of, perked up. He was putting food out there that was a delicacy to us at this point. You know, we don't have the money to be able to do this. And so he said, yeah, okay, just show up at this place. He gave me an address, one o'clock. He said, by the way, do you have a checkbook? I said, yeah. He goes, bring that with you. Just show up one o'clock. You know, there's just some people there. They just want to talk to you for just a couple of minutes. And, and then when you're done, you, you, you get free tickets. You can go and you can enjoy. And so we were excited, you know, and like, wow, this is great. We get to go. And, uh, and so we showed up at this place one o'clock right on time. And we walked in and, and, uh, there was upbeat music. We walked into this place, really nice and f- a table set up with some nice food and, you know, some soda beverages, some, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and so we sat down and, uh, and eventually our name got called a, a nice guy with a clipboard, uh, came out to greet us. And we soon realized that that clipboard just might as well have been a revolver. Okay. And, uh, 
And he ushers us back to this, this room. And of course, you know, you know what's going down, right? Right? We were, we were there for what? What was he trying to sell us? A timeshare. You guys have fell for this too, haven't you? And, and so we just kept, we listened. You know, you want to be nice. You want to be polite, you know, because we, after all, we are getting some free tickets to something we can't afford. And so we're nice and, you know, nice. And we finally realized, you know, uh, okay, I think it's probably gone far enough. Uh, the answer is no, we don't have any money. Thanks so much. Now we'll take our tickets. Well, of course, you know, the, the drill, right? There's always his boss that comes in. So he says, I'll be right back. And he goes in and then the other guy comes in and he, he doesn't quite have the same level of smile as the first guy. He's a little more firm and he's a little more pushy and 90 minutes, 90 minutes of my life that I will never get back I wasted right there. And, and you know, we, we, we went to the amusement park, and we didn't even enjoy ourselves. We, we were vomiting, honestly, the, the food that we had just eaten. And, uh, and here, here's, here's the reality. Here's the reality. Uh, don't eat the food. Don't eat the food that has not been handled properly because it will only lead to food poisoning, okay? Don't eat the food that people want to give to you that hasn't been handled properly because it'll lead to food poisoning. See, sometimes in our lives, the food that's being offered to us comes in the form of a pay raise. And the pay raise, you know, will only lead to more demands on your schedule, more time away from your family, and and it will really lead you down a different path than a path that God would want you to to leave on. It looks good. It's a delicacy. It's a raise, but, but it's food according to this proverb that, that we want to say, we want to say no to. Maybe the food that you're being offered comes in the form at your job of a supplier that wants to bribe you by giving you a gift for you to do business with him. And you know by taking that food that it's going to cause you to, to make unethical decisions that would actually hurt your company, not, not help your company. Don't eat that food. Don't, don't eat that food. Maybe the food that you're being tempted with this morning shows up on your computer screen. And it's a food, it's a delicacy that's tempting you to click, to go there, promising that it'll make you feel good. Don't eat it. It's not food that, that's been handled properly, and it's going to, to lead to food poisoning. Sometimes the food is as innocent as yet one more activity that your kids want to be involved with that will, that will only just, 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 just take away the little bit of margin that you have in your life away from, 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 from being and doing what God would want you to do. Sometimes the food that's put out in front of us, that's a delicacy, is a coworker, the opposite sex, that, that wants to share their, their intimate struggles in their relationship with you. And they're, they're testing you to see if you take the bait. They're testing to see how far you're willing to go emotionally that could lead to someplace physically. 
Don't take the food that hasn't been handled properly because it's only going to lead to food poisoning. A couple years ago, I went to Guatemala on a mission trip, and um, uh, the person, the mission uh, director, was giving us some tips. They were sending us out to go on a a little bit of shopping and spending the afternoon in a a village, and um, the mission director said, look, you know, you're going to pass all kinds of food vendors out on the street. Don't eat the food. You will get food poisoning. Said, don't do it. And, and, the, and the mission director said, here, I packed you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Take this, eat this. Don't eat the food that's offered to you from the street vendors. And so there was three or four of us. We were walking down the streets, and we came across about lunchtime, and we came across this street vendor that was selling fried chicken. And let me tell you, we smelled this chicken from a mile away. It was just so good. I mean, it smelled so good. And, and we, we went up to it and we're looking, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, fried chicken, you know? And, and, and so we, we began to process this out loud together. And there was a guy that was with us. He was a doctor, believe it or not. And he said, oh, he goes, man, they cooked that chicken so well. It, it probably killed any bacteria that, that's in that, in that chicken. I think you're probably okay to eat the chicken. And so Tom, he says, I'm going first, man. I am going for it. I'm tired of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I want the fried chicken. And he stepped up. He ordered fried chicken and French fries, and he's eating it. It's finger licking good. I mean, grease down his elbows. He's smiling. He's loving it, right? And, 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 and I was about ready to. I was this close. And I, something said, don't eat the food. It was probably the bowl of raw chicken that I was looking, baking in the sun with the flies all on it. That's probably what I saw that, that, that said, you know, that's probably not a good idea. Tom ate the chicken and Tom paid for it. Okay, he spent the rest of the trip green, just, you know, in the bathroom all day long, popping Cipro like it was a Tic Tac. Okay, and, and don't eat the food that has not been handled properly because it will only lead to food, food poisoning. Some of you really need to hear that this morning. There's things in your life, you're taking the food that's going to lead you to a place that is in the opposite direction that God wants you to go. And often they come in the form of good things. Good things can often be the enemy of the best things. Be wise, be wise uh, before you eat. Okay, saying 10, let's, let's move on, God's word. Verse, verse number nine says this. It says, do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. Do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. Here's the, here's the reality, and you know this to be true. Some people do not want wisdom. Some people just do not want wisdom. They want sympathy but they, they don't want wisdom. Uh, in your notes, write, write this down. Many people want the result that wisdom brings, but they do not want to make the changes that wisdom requires. Many people want the result that wisdom brings. You know, I don't like the pain I'm in right now. 
I, I, I don't like to feel this way that I'm feeling right now. I don't like my life situation, but I, I, I don't want to make the changes that, that will be required for me uh, to do the right thing. I, I just want to complain about it. I want, I want you to feel bad for me. And, and here's the reality. This proverb saying, don't speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. See, here's the reality. Your time, your energy, your influence, it's a limited resource. It's a very limited resource. So guard how you invest it. Guard how you invest it. We only have so much time to, to be able to invest in people, and we need to be good stewards of, of, of who we invest in. Because there's a whole lot of people that, that want God's wisdom, that want God's truth, but there's a whole lot of people that don't. They don't want to, they don't want to change. And Jesus did this masterfully. He, he spent time with the masses of people, right? Jesus fed 5,000, but he only had 12 men that he spent the majority of his life with. And then even out of those 12 men, he selected three men, Peter, James, and John, that, that he poured more time and in teaching into. See, sometimes, sometimes we need to redefine a relationship. Because we're, we're pouring into people, we're pouring wisdom into people, and it's like we're, they're standing in front of us and we're pouring wisdom, we're pouring God's word onto their life, and the wisdom is just rolling off their back in, into a puddle right on the floor. Now, now, sometimes we pour wisdom into people's lives and it soaks right in, Right? People are like, oh, man, yes, I want to hear God's word. I want to hear God's wisdom. I, I'm willing to do the change. I don't like how I'm feeling. Other people, you pour and you pour and you pour, and it just continues to roll off. Well, maybe I'll pour some more. And it rolls off, and, and you pour some more, and, and, and you have Lake Michigan underneath the person because all the wisdom just rolls off. And, and sometimes we need to redefine a relationship. At some point, we need to stop pouring out into somebody that doesn't want to receive it. And, and sometimes uh, people need to get to the lowest point possible in their life. They need to be laying in the puddle, completely horizontal in the puddle for a really long time before they start allowing the wisdom to soak into their lives. And, and so as a, as a person looking at this person, you're pouring wisdom. It's running right off. You wait. You wait. You pray for them. God, would you bring them to a place in their life where they listen to your wisdom, where they begin to apply your wisdom, and you wait, and you pray, and you wait, and you pray. And when that person is flat on their back and they begin to soaking up the wisdom, guess what grace does? That's when grace steps in and says, okay, okay, here I am. I'm ready to pour into you because you're now at a place where you're ready to receive it. Write this down in, in your notes. So we need to guard our investment of time even more tightly than we guard our investment of money. You can always earn a lost investment of money back, but the moment you spend your time, it's gone forever. 
Invest wisely in your time. Pour a little wisdom out. See if the person soaks it in. If they do, keep pouring. Give generously. But if they don't want to receive it, sometimes you need to redefine the relationship. You need to step back. You need to stop pouring out more wisdom. Saying 11, let's, let's move on in Scripture. Verse 10 says, Do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless, for their defender is strong. He will take up their case against you. Last week, you remember, we, we, uh, we, we, we heard a saying about moving ancient boundary stones uh, from your neighbor. Uh, today, it's a little more directed differently. Uh, this is geared towards a, a person of power, a person that has some power, a strong person exercising power over somebody who is weak. It's a strong person exercising power over the weak. And all throughout Scripture, God uh, is a defender of the weak. He's a defender of the weak. Scripture says he executes justice for the fatherless and, and the widow. James says the religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know, the truth of the matter is, is any influence that we have been given in our lives, any position that we have been given in our lives is to be used to serve people, not to, not to be abused and not to lord it over them. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 28. Jesus called his disciples together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. He says, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was a, was a, a servant. And the heart of God is that, is, is that they, they look out for those who are in abuse, abusive situations. God, God is the defender of the weak. An, an abuse of power, it can, it can happen in all sorts of, of ways. Um, there is, you know, coercive power that sometimes we see happen uh, in, a, in a job or in, in some situation in, in life. Coercive power happens when, when a person is in a position to be able to punish someone, to, to be able to, to give some punishment out if the person doesn't do what, what they want to be done. And so people, even though they don't want to do what's being asked of them, they will fear the consequences of, of, of you know, not doing what is asked of them. It's coercive power. And some people use coercive power as a way to lord over somebody that is in a, in a more vulnerable situation uh, under them. Uh, sometimes people, of course, we see this happen where people will abuse their power using money uh, to bully people, use their money to bully people. Sometimes there's connectional power. Uh, when a person knows someone of power that they will use, they will get the ear of that person 
uh, to leverage power over someone else. It's, it's connectional power. Sometimes it's positional power. When somebody abuses their position of authority that's been given to them uh, or, or a title uh, to get what, you know, people to do what they want to do. And the, the heartbeat of God, the heartbeat of God is that he comes to the aid of those who are in a weak and vulnerable situation. And, and that's really good news, by the way. If you're in a situation right now where somebody's exercising power over you in a way that that's abusive, you, you need to know that, that, that you have God's ear in that situation. He looks down on you and he is your defender. And so as we think of the difference between exercising worldly wisdom and exercising godly wisdom, godly wisdom says, hey, I don't have to act out in this way. I don't have to, to act in such a way to, to retaliate against this person because I have a defender in God who's, who, whose heart is bent towards me. And, and you, were, godly wisdom says, I'm going to trust God in this situation that, I, that I'm in, and I'm going to allow God to do what God does best. But it's also a strong warning for you, if you're in a situation where you're exercising power over somebody, you're lording your power over somebody, because here's the reality, here's the reality that this proverb teaches us. If you bully one of God's kids on the playground of life, you're picking a fight with God himself. If you bully one of God's kids on the playground of life, you are picking a fight with God himself. Any one of you as parents, if, if you got word that, that your child is being bullied and, and you go through the channels of trying to, you know, get whoever's doing this to, to stop bullying them and you're talking to the people in authority and they're not doing anything about it, you as a parent are going to, you're, you're going to do whatever you need to do. You're going to show up at the bus stop, right? You're going to show up at the playground. And it's this picture of, of this person kind of in this weak and vulnerable situation being bullied and being abused and, and kind of like pointing your finger behind you. And behind you is, is as a parent kind of standing here, like I'm not going to put up with this. And, and, and that's a picture of God. He's a, he's a defender of the weak He's a defender of the weak. Trust God in your situation, whatever it is that you're, that you're going through. He sees you. He sees what you're going through. He sees the abuse that you are enduring. And I promise you, trust him. He is your defender. He will defend you. Maybe not in your timing, but God will defend you. That's what God does. That's what God does. Finally, the last saying, saying number 12. Verse 12 says this. It says, apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. This, this word, apply, uh, if you look at the Hebrew word, it carries this meaning of, of going somewhere or entering, or moving in a certain direction. And so what this Proverbs is, is saying is, is when you hear instruction, when you hear godly 
instruction, godly wisdom in your life, you need to move in the direction towards it. That you need to apply your heart. Uh, the word heart speaks of, speaks of our mind. It speaks of our emotions. It speaks of our, our will. And applying our ears is more than just hearing instruction. It carries with it the idea that, that it's, it's, we're going to let it sink into our heart to the point where the instruction is going to change our will, change our mind, that we're going to hear instruction, and, and rather than just feel good about hearing the instruction, we're going to apply it. We're going to go. We're going to allow the instruction to take root in my heart, change my will, change my mind, change my emotions, and change my behavior. And I'm going to begin moving towards the direction that God wants me to move in. That's what this proverb is telling us. And, and it takes a lot of work. And, and I don't know about you, but I know in my life, there are times when I, I sit down, I open up God's word and the few minutes that I might have between running from this place to, to the next place. And it's very easy for me to open God's word, read it, and not really apply it. I feel good about receiving the instruction, but it stops there. It doesn't, it doesn't enter into my mind. I, I hear it, but I don't listen to it. It doesn't affect my heart in any way. It doesn't change my heart. Why? Because I didn't apply it. I, I didn't do the hard work of applying and allowing the Holy Spirit to move in such a way in my life to allow the information to become transformation in, in my life. And this proverb, man, I, I, I just want you to hear this this morning. This is powerful. This is powerful stuff. This is the difference between applying worldly wisdom in our life, in our life situation, and applying godly wisdom that he has for each and every one of us. We need to apply our heart to instruction. Um, see, here's, here's, here's the truth. Wisdom without application is just information without transformation. Wisdom without application is just information without transformation. And the goal of God's wisdom is always, 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 100% of the time, I promise you, the goal of God's wisdom is always to, it's, it's always transformation. It's always to move us towards God. It's always, it's, so when we open God's word, um, I need to be very careful. I need to, I need to make sure I have the time to properly give to the, to the, the instruction that I'm going to receive. I, I need to make sure I, I quiet my heart and I need to make sure I say, God, what I'm about to read, I do not want just to roll off of me onto a puddle on the floor. That's not what you intend here, Lord. So Holy Spirit, would you, would you cause me, open my ears, incline my ears in such a way that the wisdom that's being poured onto my life soaks into me, causes transformation, gives me courage so that I can, I can walk in the other direction and begin walking towards God. Wisdom without application is just information without transformation. And, and, and the primary way that we receive instruction is through God's word. It's through this, this book, 
God's word. It's timeless. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16, 17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed, that it's useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we need to apply our heart to instruction. Sometimes God will send a person into our lives to kind of go along with the truth of Scripture. So we hear instruction from God's Word, soaks into our minds, but maybe we're not at the place in our life where we do anything about it yet. That's called conviction, by the way. We sense the Holy Spirit wanting us to move, but we're stubborn. Anybody stubborn? Raise your hand. Point to the person next to you. Elbow, you're stubborn. We, we hear it. We know what we need to do. We know exactly what we need to do, but we, we, we refuse because we're stubborn. Okay, it's conviction in our lives. Sometimes God will send a person into our situation. And without them knowing, they will speak into your life in such a way that confirms what God has already told you in his word. So sometimes God will, will speak wisdom through other people. And, and usually you'll hear something when somebody responds to somebody, they'll, they'll say, man, wow, God used you in a powerful way in my life. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I just said something. And God used you, right? God, have you seen God work in your life in that regard? Yeah, right? And then sometimes God will use circumstances in, in your life. Remember the picture of the guy where you're pouring wisdom and he's, it's just rolling off? And I said, sometimes we got to be flat on our back, Sometimes the only way we start soaking up wisdom is when we're flat on our back, laying in the puddle of it. That's called circumstances in our lives. And God uses the circumstances in our lives to bring us to the point where where we're in a position where we begin to soak in his wisdom. We begin to walk towards him. We begin to apply our hearts to the instruction that, that, that God is telling us. And so, That's what applying our heart towards instruction means. See, all of God's instruction is meant to move us towards himself. It's it's alive and active, not idle and stagnant. And and so my fear um, is, is when we come into a church service and we hear a bunch of knowledge, we hear a bunch of information, we hear some funny stories, and, and we walk out unchanged, completely unchanged by, by the wisdom that God wants to pour into our lives. We, we've stopped at information. We've not applied it into our life. We've not allowed the truth of God's word to sink down into our minds, to affect our will and affect our emotions and, and cause transformation in our lives. It's the wisdom's just rolling right off onto the floor. And, and man, life is too short to allow God's wisdom to just roll off of us. And so I, I, I just want to kind of close our time out here this morning by, by kind of practicing this, practicing applying our heart towards instruction, God's wisdom. So here, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to get out a pen, piece of paper. If you don't have a pen and paper, maybe your smartphone that has little notes section uh, application or whatever, something you can make some notes. And here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to just think about what you just heard in your life. 
right, right now. I just want you to think about the instruction that you heard here over these last couple of minutes. Maybe it was even instruction that you heard from the, the songs that we sang. Maybe it was some instruction that you heard from somebody pouring into your life uh, before the service. Maybe it was instruction that you heard from the message. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to just think, God, what do you want me to do? God, what specific instruction have you given me today that requires me to humbly move in your direction? Because I promise you, there was some instruction given today that requires you to move in God's direction. And so I just want, we're going to have some music playing. I want you to just take, take a moment and just process through that. And then maybe ask God to give you specific instruction Specific steps, one, two, three steps that you can, you can make today that would move you in the direction of God. Take a minute, process, allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak into your life right now. Go ahead. God, thank you for your wisdom that you give generously to anyone who asks. Lord, help us to be able to distinguish the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Lord, help us to, to be able to take the information that you're giving to us, the instruction that you're giving to us, Lord, and, and help us to, to, to be able to allow your Holy Spirit to, to do the work of applying it to our, our hearts, applying it to our lives, Lord. We need you in this process. We can't create change in our own lives. Lord, so we need your Holy Spirit to move us. We'll begin, we'll begin walking in your direction, Lord, and then we, we ask that your Holy Spirit would, would, would help conform our life to the image of you, Jesus, please. Lord, I pray for the person that's in this room that has been eating the food of a begrudging host. Lord, eating food in their lives that, that promises something but leads to something far different, it leads to, to death, it leads to, to sin, it leads to a place that, that is far from what you would want us to be and want us to do. Lord, I pray that you would give that person courage uh, to begin moving in your direction. God, thank you for your word. It's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts deep to, to the center of our hearts, Lord. Help us to be people that apply your instruction to our hearts, allowing you and your Holy Spirit to do the work that you intend to do in us, Lord, until you take us home. We love you this morning. And all God's children said, amen. amen. Have a great day. Love you guys. See you next week.